Hello there, and welcome to The K-Word, a professional wrestling podcast, brought to you by me, Mage, joined, as a, as always, by uh, Keb. Hello. And James. Hello. This week, uh, we're having a very happy birthday, as we are one years old. Uh, we've done 13 podcasts, which averages out as one a month. Pretty good. We're going to be talking about the recent pay-per-views uh, from WWE and WCPW. And, yeah, talking, looking ahead to WrestleMania, Review and Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, Fastlane. But I think the most important thing to say is we've been doing this a year. Is wrestling better since we started? Oh, that's a difficult question. That is a very... Um... Yeah, very difficult to answer. I've only obviously been watching wrestling for this over a year. year. Yeah, <laughs> over a year, but um, only really since I, well, since you bought the network, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good actually. Um, so for me, it's hard to say. So I guess I better pass it on to you and see what you uh, think, James. I know. I mean, I think some bits are better, definitely. Um, like SmackDown is much better now than it was when we started. I think Raw is probably worse. Um, but not by that much. I think overall it's probably better. I think NXT is worse, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you there that NXT does seem worse. But I think everything that has improved about wrestling in the past year is definitely down to this podcast. Oh, that's, yeah. That's... Uh, I think it's a hell of a coincidence that we start a podcast being British and then within 12 months of the podcast starting, they do an entire UK tournament. Yeah, they, they, they listened to us when we came up with the idea for the UK tournament in our first episode. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, there's literally nothing we can't take credit for that's happened in the past year that is all down to us. Uh, I I think wrestling is I think like you said James Smackdown is very very good and in a much healthier position than it was going out on Thursday nights taped it's much better live on Tuesdays even if we're at the point now where we're almost at a bit of a wrestling overload there's just a little bit too much WWE to keep track of every week Absolutely, yeah. I mean, my colleague, I have two colleagues now that are interested in wrestling, uh, so we're sort of spreading, we're all sort of moving to the same corner of the office, it seems. And uh, he always asks me, oh, did you see Raw last night? Did you see SmackDown last night? I'm like, well, no. He goes, but you run a podcast on wrestling. How can you not be watching it? I just think, God, if I watch SmackDown Raw as well, I wouldn't watch anything other than wrestling, I don't think. That's what they want. <laughs> That's true. It's the only media you consume in uh, Trump's America is WWE. But... I, I, yeah, I mean, part of me thinks there's possibly too much wrestling for me to have a sustained interest in all of it all the time. Yeah, I think it also doesn't help with the network, the fact that it doesn't actually have Raw and SmackDown. So you yes. don't have a way of watching it, like, without, you know, resorting to vicious illegal methods. It comes on there a month later, doesn't it, because of the deal they have with Sky, isn't it? Yeah. And not having Sky means we can't access it. Yeah, I don't feel like I miss that much not having Raw and SmackDown. Being able to keep up with it, like the 
the this week in WWE. You don't necessarily see all the matches, but the weird. You see all the superstar selfies. Yeah, the weird <laughs> pretend journalists that they have on there is. It's, it, I find this week in WWE to be a fascinating kind of, like it's in the K word, but it's also presenting itself as like a semi-factual news slash entertainment shows. It's one of the weirdest shows on the channel, and that's a show yeah. with that's a, that's the network with Holy Foley on it. So yeah, let's go in some. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, one thing I will say is that. You don't really have to watch Raw and SmackDown with WWE, partly because all of the good stuff generally gets recapped anyway, and secondly because they've got a really good uh, YouTube channel. Yes. Like anything of interest that is that happens on Raw or SmackDown always goes up in highlight form on the YouTube channel anyway. Yeah, it's almost like they should just give up on the three-hour broadcasts and just br- break it down to like three-minute YouTube videos. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, especially given how influential we are and the fact that I'm saying it now. I think it's basically make it a given. It wouldn't surprise me if in the next... I'm trying to figure out how conservative to be with this estimate. Like, five years, maybe? They ended up abandoning the TV format altogether and just went... All in on the network. ...and then special events that you could only see on the network. Yeah, I, I think we could definitely see... Uh... I, I don't know how long it is until the um, their contract is up for negotiation, because obviously they wouldn't get rid of a contract that gets them so much money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm guessing it will be revised down when they next negotiate it, and at that point it could be time for them to do their next stage of the digital revolution stuff. Another de-revolution. Yeah. Yeah, they'll just bring in lots and lots of uh, online formats all at once and not give you any real incentive to cheer for any one of them. <laughs> Lovely stuff. I, I was um, what I was thinking is we could we could come up with some categories, sort of like the best the best wrestler, the most improved, the worst wrestler, the most sort of uh, what's what I'm looking for, the most degraded, not degraded. Um, you know what I'm saying? Declined. The, yeah, the wrestler who's di- like yeah, who we've started disliking, who we used to like the most. Yeah, they seem the biggest fall from grace. Then sort of maybe the biggest, the most shocking moment over over the course of the the year. Yeah. So yeah, who do you think's been the uh, the best wrestler? Full stop of the year. Do you want to take it first, Kev, since it's your your idea for a format in the first place? I'm gonna say uh, AJ Styles. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's the right answer. Isn't it? That's what I was going to say. So, <laughs> yeah. is anyone going to argue with me after uh, choosing that? No, no, it is AJ Styles. Consistently great matches since his debut in the Rumble. It's there's unfortunately there's not a lot to argue about there. It's AJ. Yeah, do Styles. we do we want to for the interest of having discussion? Do we want to do best apart from AJ Styles since he's so clearly in a class of his own at the top? Uh, yeah. So go on then, who else would you pick then? I picked AJ. Now you guys will come up with one. Well, no, we agreed with you on AJ. <laughs> You're going to have to come up with one apart from AJ, just like the rest of us. Um, before I decide, are we including NXT? Yes, we can include NXT. Are we including tag teams? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder who you're going for. Is it? Well, you know. The Revival. 
Yeah, if I am allowed tag teams, I will go with the Revival. Because of my five favourite matches of the year, they were in four of them. <laughs> um, if I'm not allowed tag teams, then... Ooh, it's, it's a really tough question, actually. No one's really stood out. <laughs> there have been some pleasant surprises. I think uh, I, I think I'm going to go for Kevin Owens as my as as a guy who was not doing poorly this time last year, but you couldn't see him like things have gone quite well for him this year, and is by some margin, along with Chris Jericho, the best thing about Raw. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So let's let's throw Jericho in there as well, despite some a few stinkers. Yeah, like the Lunatic Asylum match. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a blot on the copybook of both Jericho and Ambrose. Yeah. The fact that both of them like I know general opinion on Ambrose has soured over the last year, but ultimately he's still quite a good wrestler. And obviously Jericho is great, so I'm kind of inclined to blame the match more than either guy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can see that. I was about to say, guy who we've kind of cooled on the most since an enthusiastic response has got to be Ambrose. It has to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember this time last year we were talking about how great it was that he'd outlasted Roman Reigns in the Royal Rumble and how they were positioning him to feud with Triple H and then he was going into the WrestleMania match with Brock Lesnar and then it's just like... And then he got in a feud with Jericho, which had promise but didn't produce anything good. And then he had like the money in the bank, which he cashed in, and that was kind of cool. Then he had some mare matches with Seth Rollins. Then he lost the belt to AJ. Which he had to do, that belt. Yeah. It, it made sense for the belt to go into Ambrose at the time, but he was clearly below AJ Styles on yeah. I mean, that's another unanimous decision, right? Because that means we have to come up with someone else. Yeah. Oh, I skipped out his match with Ziggler. Um, Ziggler is also someone who seems to have been called off a bit this year. I thought of somebody, but I forgot oh. who it was. Oh, let me just remember who it was. Um... Shall I talk about how Ziggler... Yeah, yeah you can give, give us yeah. some Ziggles. So, yeah, he went from, at SummerSlam, being an unlikely opponent for Ambrose to having a surprisingly awesome feud with The Miz. I only say surprising because we've seen it several times before and it was much better than it had been before. Um, and then he did nothing for a little bit and then he's turned heel and it's kind of been a bit crap. Yeah, the, the seems to be he's getting more reaction, more, a more positive crowd reaction since being a heel than he did as a face, which... That was so funny at Elimination Chamber. I don't think you've seen this, Kev. He had a two-on-one handicap match against Kalisto and Apollo Crews, because, mm -hmm. you know, that's what you do with the heels. You book them in handicap matches. And then after he loses, he attacks them both with a chair, and he puts Apollo Crews' leg, like his ankle, in the chair and stamps on it to, like, you know, break his ankle or whatever. And the crowd reaction was chanting, Thank you, you Ziggler. <laughs> nice. Okay, I thought of who it is, um, and I've got two answers, actually. Uh, the first being Baron Corbin. For Cool Down On. Because I was very excited when he first arrived, 
I haven't yeah. really found any reason to really cling on to him. Fair enough. Um, I don't find him that interesting as a character. I think that's probably me just being unfair and it's just a personal thing. Uh, but the other I one mean, else... that's what the game is in a way, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I was I was really interested to see him. Obviously, he won the armbar, didn't he? Yeah. And I was excited to see where we went from there, and it felt like not much, really. See, I, yeah. I had they the... They finally started to do stuff with him full-on in the last, like, month or two. Like, Listen, I'm hoping this is Pushing him into him. the chamber, and then ha- he's feuding with Ambrose now, definitively. Yeah. He was the person in the chamber that I cared the least about. And I'm really hoping that he will give me a reason to care about him. And this is the one that I think is my answer now, is Brock Lesnar. Oh, yeah. Who's had a greater fall than Lesnar? I mean, he started so high and... And, uh, Yeah, so frightening and scary at the start of the year. And now he's jobbing to Goldberg and it's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all that, you know... He he had as a guy who you know defeated the Undertaker and it's just like I mean he's gonna beat Goldberg at WrestleMania and that's gonna be like a thing and he'll have his heat back from that but it's not just that he lost to Goldberg which no. was bad it was also since uh, <laughs> I started that and I don't know <laughs> when it's been since but I can't think of the last time he felt like he mattered. Yeah, I mean, like, at the start of the year when we started doing this, I think it was Fastlane where we had the match with Dean Ambrose, wasn't it? No, that was WrestleMania. Fastlane, it was a triple threat between him, Ambrose, and Roman Reigns. That's it. And then he had the one with Ambrose where it was just him throwing Ambrose over his shoulder for 24 times, then pinning him or whatever it was. Yeah. And then he... SummerSlam where he had that horrendous match with Randy Orton, wasn't it? Yeah, which I'll get to later in another category, I think. Um, Yeah, and I just don't really find him yeah at the start of the year he was very relevant as a person that people thought might be getting a title run might be like um at the very least being a really cool destructive force but the last time he was in a storyline that really mattered like i want to say mania 2015 yeah. Like he's since then he's had a feud with the Undertaker, like because they wanted to have an opportunity to have good matches rather than their mania one. Um, and then yeah, it's just been the feud with Ambrose, the feud with Orton, the feud with Goldberg, and it's like he used to be. He used to be if Lesnar's on the show, you have to watch it, and now it's oh eh. Lesnar's there again. May as well watch it to see what uh, Paul Heyman what says. says. Yeah. 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 Uh, moving on, most improved, I have a feeling this might be unanimous. It's Braun Strowman, isn't it? I think... I've got somebody else to say, actually. I, I, Strowman would be one of the contenders. Um, I, the other one that I thought of is, I think, what you were going to say, Kev, so I'll let you say it. The Miz. That's, yeah. I think if we're talking in-ring, then it would be Strowman. If we're talking character, then The Miz. Yeah. Uh, The in-ring is undeniably Strowman. If you look at Strowman in the Raw Rumble last year... Yeah, when they didn't trust him to take German suplexes from Brock, so Brock just stiffed the crap out of him with lariats for about 20 minutes. And he got tied up going over the top rope? Yeah. And now he looks... He's not accomplished. He looks 
comfortable in the ring. And that's, I think he's highly benefited from having a lot of good mentors and good ring generals to have matches with. But Yeah, yeah. with Sami Zayn is a great way to improve anybody, really, isn't it? Yeah. And some just absolute solid booking. It's Yeah, that goes a long way. It's hard to look at anyone else who's been booked so consistently well for since the brand split. Yeah, I mean, I'm really enjoying the Miz's booking at the moment with his Daniel Bryan thing. Yeah. That's interesting and exciting and one of the reasons why I think the Miz is doing really well. But, yeah, no, I definitely get your point that Strowman's having a good time. Likewise, talking about the cooling off, I think people like Ziggler and Ambrose, there's a portion of the internet that has decided they're not that good at wrestlers. But we know they are perfectly good wrestlers because we've seen them wrestle well for years. Uh, and it's, I think a lot of it is just booking and, you know, poorly scripted promos and so on that makes people sour on them. And in the same way that people, like, dislike people for uh, the booking, I think they like Strowman because he's been booked really well. They like Miz because he's been booked really well. Mm-hmm. They like, I had a third one, but I've forgotten who it was because they've been booked really well. Um, like Alexa Bliss. Yeah, I yeah. was about to say Alexa Bliss is... Uh, done fantastically well on on SmackDown where and probably the biggest success of the brand split is all of the SmackDown women Braun Strowman and all the SmackDown women because they wouldn't have got Naomi uh, a returning Mickey James Nikki Bella, Alexa Bliss none of them would probably have got a look in uh, uh, with Sasha, Bailey, and Charlotte on the main on the Raw roster so I think if the brand splits helped anything it's really helped show the depth in the women's division uh, on Smackdown perhaps another um, improved person I think it's quite dramatic to see over the course of the year is Roman Reigns yeah in terms of just his like stamina I mean do you remember the Royal Rumble last year where he had to have a lay down (laughs) Go out the back for a glass of water and come back. Yeah, he didn't. This year, double duty to appear in the rumble. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and for the coming in at number thirty, he really, really showed his showed off his conditioning there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure um, anyone who listens to this has already seen it, but if you haven't, I implore you to seek out the video that's just a compilation of fan reactions to Roman Reigns being the (laughs) thirtieth entrant. It's uh, yeah, it's quite glorious. It is. It's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, uh, Kev, that he's improved a lot because yeah, it was. I mean, it was only what ten or eleven months ago when he had that absolutely awful main event of WrestleMania with Triple H. Yeah. One of the worst WrestleMania <laughs> main <laughs> events. Yeah, and I envied you for that. <laughs> um. Yeah, I can't remember the last time we had a worse WrestleMania main event. Possibly uh, the Cena Miz one, I don't know. But, um, yeah, absolutely terrible. But then he went straight in. I think, like we were talking with Strowman with Sami Zayn, I think putting Roman in with AJ Styles for a solid two or three month feud helped him tremendously. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And going from them to Rollins and then, like, bouncing around a bit after that but those those two feuds back to back just immediately gave them so much 
I mean, I remember when he got the wellness policy suspension, yeah. and I genuinely thought, wrongly, I am almost certain now, that he might have been taking something to improve himself because he'd come on that that far. Mm. And I thought he genuinely might have fallen foul for like steroids or something, but apparently it's just the case of you know prescription stuff and how it uh, works. They, that, but the that, only drug he needs is good wrestling mentorship uh, <laughs> and whatever he was taking that got him popped. That wrestling, that uh, wellness policy violation is probably the best thing that happened to Roman Reigns because it instantly took him out of the main event scene, albeit, yeah. you know, temporarily. But it just, it gave everyone a bit of time just to cool down on the hating Reigns for a, just a little bit. And I, I really feel like after he came back from that, um, everyone got a bit of schadenfreude out of, hey, you've only you've been relegated to the US title. It was, I think that was another kind of good moment in the long run because it, it just made everyone cool off from Roman a little bit, whether you liked him or you hated him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. You mean whether you were Vince or whether you were anyone else? Exactly, exactly. Just so, it... oh. Sorry? No, go, go ahead. What I was going to say is, so James, do you want to come up with a category? I've written down some suggestions that you can come up with oh, one if you fancy I choosing was, one. I was going to suggest worst match. Worst match, well, um, <laughs> I think that might be unanimous as well, mightn't it? I don't know. I want Jack to start because I think we're we're probably more of a union mind on this. The worst match. Let's let's limit it to um you know like pay per view slash special event. I'm not looking for you to remember like that match where the New Day and the club had a fight with Halloween objects and Luke Gallows got a pumpkin on his head or something like that. Yeah, there's. There have been some talking about? That's a great match. <laughs> it, it had a certain appeal. A certain charm. A certain niche appeal. <laughs> I don't think, like, Dave Meltzer probably gave it a particularly high Five star rating. Five stars. Uh, the Rock versus Eric Rowan. Oh, yeah. At WrestleMania, that was a bad match. But... Trying to think of a match that I was really hyped about that let me down. And. So, not just the worst match, but the most disappointing match. Yeah. I think it's. That's not what I've got, but. Probably <laughs> Ambrose Lesnar. I was really up for that. Yeah. And it just completely didn't work. Yeah, if we're talking about biggest disappointment, that was a massive yeah. one. I think for letdowns, that would definitely be, like, for an entire match being a letdown. I'm not going to count Roman coming in at number 30. Um, yeah, I think that's a good shout. I mean, that was the first one that really I was invested in, because I hadn't really been watching it that long. Yeah. And that's the first one where I was watching all of the promos building up to it, being like, oh my god, this is going to be so cool. And you're right, it was a letdown, it was did not live up yeah. uh, to so, it at all. Worst slash most disappointing matches you two? Who wants to go first? Um, Do you want to go? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two that stand out. Yeah, I think I know. Can I guess the one that isn't the one that I'm going to say mm-hmm. and then you can say the one that I'm going to say just to make it really confusing to anyone that listens? Yep. I think you're going to say the Asylum match. That's a good shout, actually. I wasn't actually going to say that, but that is a good contender for it because 
again, it's got the letdown factor, but then it's also got it was a really, really, really long match it factor. Was, yeah. Like it was a long time to be sat there watching bad. Whereas, like with the Rowan Rock match. I wouldn't consider saying that was the worst of the year just because it was too short to offend me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has the uh, the nice um, Jericho complaining about having pins in his ass and how many he pulled out, but that's just Jericho being able to make the best of a bad situation, yeah. I think. What, what was it? He says, is it like, 32 pins or something. He, yeah, what? No, 42. It was like 70-odd, wasn't it, I think? But yeah. yeah. Um, which is great. Uh, but I was going to say... The main event at WrestleMania. Yeah. Because not only did I watch the first half of it and found it so boring, I fell asleep. I had to then watch the first ten minutes and the next twenty minutes again, and it wasn't any more interesting. Had the great Steph promo at the start though. So. Oh Jesus Christ! That, I have no mouth, but I must boo. <laughs> <laughs> that promo, I like. It got a lot of love, but I did not like it because. It's so very clearly fit much better for Roman Reigns than it did for Triple H. Yeah. And so it felt like it was just a meta taunting of the fans saying, you will do what we say and it won't go how you want it to go. And the bad guy will win and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Roman's going to win. It's going <laughs> to suck. Um, but yeah, so no more beating around the bush. My... Uh, least favourite match of the year by some distance was the Lesnar Orton SummerSlam main event. Yeah, that was pretty awful. Just... That's like there were matches that bored me and there were matches that disappointed me, but that was the only one that like it made me sickened and not in like a good way. <laughs> not not in like a storyline, you know, like you know, like Street Fight, uh, you know, The Rock Mankind or Cactus Jack, Triple H or whatever. It made me sick in a, I don't, I, I literally don't want to watch this kind of a way. Yeah. And it made me care less about Lesnar. It made me lose respect for the company, despite the fact the company obviously is already operating under severe, like, case of, like, carny <laughs> logic in the first place. It still made me lose respect for the company. It was such a stupid decision that it kept Orton out of the following month's pay-per-view with a concussion injury that he suffered from the planned finish, which is just so mind-numbingly dumb. It didn't make Orton look good because he, he didn't just lose, he got beaten to a bloody pulp. It didn't make Lesnar look particularly good, it just made him look, you know, it made, it made me not want to watch Lesnar matches. Yeah. <laughs> There's not really much more to say than that. Yeah, it didn't make Lesnar look good. It didn't make him look like a good wrestler or a good fighter. It made him look like a brute and not in a. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's exciting. I want to see what that guy's going to do next. Yeah, it, it made him like... look like a brute in like a Neanderthal definition yeah. of brute. Like, fucking lock him up kind of thing. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk in the media about things such as like trigger warnings, but I genuinely think that match might need a kind of warning for facing it that. The following match contains strobe lighting effects <laughs> and really poor decisions that will make you uncomfortable to watch. But, like, you know, I have a bit of a rough time. That, that is something that I wouldn't want to ever watch again. Yeah. As a result, it's just like... And the fact as well, it didn't seem to go as planned. I mean, there's obviously rumours that Jericho backstage thinks that Lesnar took it too far. Yeah, but supposedly Vince was there telling him that it was a, a work and it was planned. 
and that's what made Jericho sort of well, not calm down but lay off Lesnar. Yeah. Like it, everything we've heard indicates that it was intended, which is mind-numbingly stupid. Um, so yeah, that was my least favourite match. Basically, I only picked that as a category so that I could whine about that match. Again. <laughs> that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. I mean, what I was thinking is, is there a sort of most shocking moment in uh, like booking or in matches apart from? I'm not talking shocking as in disgusting. <laughs> yeah, so otherwise... I'm not allowed to say that again. I mean, if we're talking most shocking moment in a match from a booking standpoint, it, in not shocking in the sense of like Andy Gray, that was a shocking moment type mm-hmm. thing. Then it would have to be another Lesnar match, wouldn't it? Yeah, it it can't oh. be anything other than Goldberg's, you know, fifty-year-old dad beating Lesnar, which <laughs> is up there as one of my favourite moments of the year as well. And if I don't think the company did it intentionally, but if you look at the SummerSlam main event as the peak of Lesnar's kind of um, well, the re-peak after beating the streak of Lesnar's utter dominance and then three months later he jobs out to Goldberg like that's that's that made it more shocking but I don't think that was the plan so let's not give them any credit <laughs> for that I do it, it does kind of feel like this has been the year of we've run out of stuff to do with Lesnar so we'll just try wacky stuff because the Ambrose match, for one reason or another, not only was it not very good, but it wasn't very memorable. Mm. But then since then, the stuff they've done with Lesnar has been the Orton finish and the Goldberg finish. And it's like, yeah, you, you've run out of conventional ways to have Lesnar matches now, haven't you? You're just going to have them be crazy and stand out yeah. <laughs> one way or another. I was going to suggest another um, shocking moment which was uh, waking up uh, during the road to WrestleMania and going on squared circle first thing as I usually do and finding out not only was Shane McMahon back, but he was oh. booked to fight The Undertaker at WrestleMania. <laughs> of course, yeah. That was... <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I don't do this anymore because naughty business, but I was driving to work and just, you know, checked my phone and had a message from uh, UKEB saying, Shane McMahon's back. And I was like, well, I've got to get through this traffic now to read what happened on <laughs> Raw last night. Shane McMahon's back. That was an incredibly shocking moment that we thought we'd never, ever see. I, yeah, uh, genuinely didn't think that would ever happen. It's it's funny because I remember the K-word we recorded after that. We were saying, so they put Shane McMahon versus The Undertaker. It'll be really interesting to see how they get out of that one. <laughs> yes. And the way they did it was... By pretending that that never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first by pretending that that was a legitimate match, and then having it, and then completely ignoring the ramifications of it. Which was stupid. I mean, what it... was in that locked box that Shane McMahon used? Um... Why didn't he bring it back up again when Can we do Vince some was? Box theories? Sure. What do you think's in the locked box? Oh, sperm to produce sons. Sorry? Sperm that produces sons. What, to make more McMahon sons? Yeah, because more Stephanie's only got children. It's only got children, only got girls. Children. <laughs> uh... I feel like in the Arrested Development where Kitty gets uh, the, the frozen uh, Bluth sperm to... as a MacGuffin. 
What you you think that's what they were doing? They were copying Arrested Development. <laughs> well, clearly they dropped the uh, storyline. Perhaps they. Uh... Who yeah. knows? In the, in that lockbox, this it it's will the identity of who was behind GTV back in 1999. <laughs> I think it might be Triple H's birth certificate that reveals Vince is his real dad. That would. That would be something. They've already lawless soul. that possibility once. Yep. <laughs> you think I'd let the company go to somebody outside the family? Was anyone else disappointed? Just I'm going off on a bit of a, a tangent here. That, That's what we... That Jerry got to commentate on the Royal Rumble. Like, I was watching it and I was like, what? why is Jerry getting a big entrance here? Like, they, they took him off TV, off TV commentary. Not long ago, and then it's like, oh, we're bringing him back for a special occasion. It's like, Jerry's not that good at commentary anymore. I don't mind it if it's just like a one-off thing. You know, like, maybe he's planning on announcing his retirement soon, and then, like, next year he's going to go in... Oh, no, he's already in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? Never mind. Like, maybe he's going to announce, like, his formal retirement soon. They wanted to give him one last pay-per-view match, and they figured that was a reasonably safe place to do it, because the commentary is not so important when you... You're kind of more interested in seeing who's coming out and stuff like that. I don't know. All right. Well, that okay. I'll 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 rescind my point. Uh, I mean that that's that's only working on the assumption that they never do it again. So maybe it's not <laughs> the yeah. best logic. I don't know. Was it was it Elimination Chamber where JBL fell over? Yes. Uh, it's fallen. Yeah. When we were talking about recently. biggest falls, we completely missed that, didn't we? <laughs> He's taking his little Texas two-step and then... <laughs> Bless his heart. I, I mean, if we're going to do stupidest moment of the year, I think Raw wins! Has to take that, doesn't it? <laughs> Raw wins. Also, it's like he's looking at himself in a mirror. Well, it comes to him and he looks really confused. No, when when like, he's saying it about Cena, Cena, while Cena's looking baffled at the fact that like yeah. AJ kicked out or whatever it was. <laughs> so it cuts to Cena's face at that moment that that commentary com- like, is said and yeah. Cena is looking like... Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, another category: worst commentary moment of the year. Well, um, any time David Otunga opened his mouth. Was it the handing the blood pack over during? Oh, which one was it? That old Triple H be- uh, beating up Roman Reigns, then Byron Saxton hands Roman Reigns a blood pack in full view of the camera. So there's that. There's for the love of mankind. Oh, during- that was my shout for the love of mankind terrible absolutely the worst ever but i think i think raw wins has to take it doesn't it at the end of survivor series match Ooh. when smackdown definitively has just won raw wins is what everyone expected me to be saying that was that was incompetent but it was incompetent in a way that was sort of oddly endearing <laughs> so i i personally am more annoyed by like for the love of mankind like already it was a spot that i was feeling quite cynical about but it was such a very obviously pre-planned soundbite and then like footage emerged of michael cole literally reading it off a piece of paper that's terrible isn't it and it's just like that if i'd given a shit about that moment beforehand, that would have ruined it for me. (laughs) 
And yeah, so I think that'll probably be the worst. But also, yeah, they they need to teach David Otunga how to sound excited. <laughs> or sack him. Yeah. Also, <laughs> get Byron Saxton to stop uh, saying it looks like they've called an audible. Oh yeah, that's terrible. Right. Has he not been informed about the K word? Well, I hope that everyone listens. <laughs> Uh, so do I. Right, let's. Shall we park WWE there for a bit? Because I believe you two went to see uh, some some uh, English wrestling, British wrestling. Uh, well, um, I mean, the main event was an American versus a Mexican, but we'll ignore that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a British promotion the other day. So, talk, t- talk to me about True Destiny. Yeah, so WCPW True Destiny. It was our first ever live event for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite good. Like It was basically a dream card in a lot of ways for a British wrestling fan. I mean, it had like Kurt Angle versus Alberto El Patron in the main event, which, you know, you weren't there for any other reason than to see Angle, really, for that match. Yeah. Like that. You know, it was Kurt Angle's last ever UK match, like, you know, short of an unlikely, even by his standards, return. Um, And, you know, what better main event can you hope for for your first ever match than seeing Angle's last ever match? Mm -hmm. Um, That was amazing. The actual match itself, it was kind of forgettable just because the point of it wasn't for them to have an amazing match. Angle doesn't need to you know, work his socks off to have an amazing match anymore. He's kind of proved that. It was just to see him hit his moves and give a, have a chance to cheer for him more than anything else. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, it was absolutely... I mean, there was Jack Sabre Jr. versus um, Banks. Yeah, Zack Sabre Jr. and Travis Banks put on an awesome match. Um, slightly ruined for us by the fact that really close by there was a guy just shouting like xenophobic anti-New Zealand statements at Travis Banks the whole way through the match. No but need for that. it was still it was still really good. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. I thought that was a really, really good match. I mean, Ricochet uh, versus... Osprey. Osprey, yeah. Will Osprey. Will Osprey and Ricochet, which was... You'll probably have recognised this from Watchamania, where the ropes break. Yeah. Uh, it was the very first match of the main card. Like, there'd been a pre-show match and then a dark match before that. But it was the first, like, full-on match of the pay-per-view. And... They began with a really, really awesome set, like series of counters and flips, and you know, doing their Osprey and Ricochet stuff, and we were really into it. And then what was clearly meant to be like the crescendo of that was they both were sort of thrown towards opposite ropes at the same time, and both went to do like handspring backflips off them. Uh, and then when they both went to do the handspring, the top rope uh, fell off. Um, so there's a very loud popping sound, and it clearly flies off uh, the uh, uh, turnbuckle. But the, the thing that um, is interesting is on Botchamania, you can actually see us. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, because our, our seats were facing the uh, the hard cam. And uh, you can see us. There's some chap you can see with his hand in the air, and that hand is over my face, and you can see James next to him. So uh, yeah. my lifelong dream of appearing on Botchamania has come true. Yeah, we are celebrities now. I'll, I'll... But, yeah. I will have to watch that Botchmania again to see if I can see you. Yeah, wow. But yeah, it's it says something about how great those guys are, that their entire shtick is being acrobatic high flyers that use the top rope more than any other wrestlers will, 
they had an entire or near enough an entire match where they weren't able to use the top rope and I'd still say it was comfortably like a four star match like it was arguably the match of the night like in terms of pure like wrestling it would be between that and the Sabre Junior Banks match um and you've also got like the, there was a ladder match that had amazing spots in it that we'll probably talk about in a moment but yeah it was an amazing match even though they didn't have a top rope watching Will Ospreay hit a springboard cutter off the middle rope without the top rope there to support his balance is like that man is amazing and then Ricochet doing a uh, what was it a backflip off of the top rope. Oh, yes. By placing the top rope on the floor, carefully acting as though he was balancing on it, and then doing a backflip. Yeah. Wow. Was... We all got to chant off the top rope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was an amazing show. And yeah, Osprey, another reason why it was an amazing show. Arguably, it's certainly in contention for being the best British wrestler in the world, or best wrestler in the UK, depending on how you want me to word that. <laughs> yeah. Getting to see him wrestle two matches in one night. Yeah. Because after having the amazing match with Ricochet with the top rope broken and so on, he then uh, appeared as a surprise uh, partner in the tag team uh, title ladder match, which saw him jump off one ladder to hit a cutter on someone off of another ladder to the floor. And receive an electric chair. Oh, and receive a double-decker electric chair drop where he was on someone's shoulders on someone's shoulders. Oh, mossy, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was really fantastic. And the pop he got as well when he came out the second time. Yeah. Who's it going to be? Who's going to be on the team of the Swords of Essex? And he comes out and just... Oh, it's the third member of the Swords of Essex that we knew was here. (laughs) Nobody saw this coming. Right before he came out, everyone was saying, it's Will Ospreay, it's Will Ospreay, it's And he came out and still people were like, yeah! It's one of those things where even though you know it's going to happen, you still lose your mind because it's so awesome. Which is as positive as you can get, really, as far as a review goes, I guess. Yeah. You touched on it slightly. What did you think of the crowd? Like... Uh I, from my experience, uh, I don't think this is unique to uh, WCPW events or maybe even any live wrestling event. There was always a slight air of misogyny and homophobia. Like, it felt very much like at any point the chance could just descend into that kind of territory that was... a. A little uncomfortable for a wet liberal like I mean, there was somebody there who didn't want to be on, like, they didn't want their presence known officially because they're under contract with WWE and doesn't want to be appearing on WCPW programming. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But when uh, Alberto Del Rio came out, people started chanting about his missus. Yeah. Really awful things like, does she take it out the ass? Which wasn't very pleasant at yeah. all. That was quite horrible. I will say, other than that, and I, I, you can't just exactly ignore that because that was, as you say, a very unpleasant thing to have chanted. It was, I was like pleasantly surprised, honestly, like mm-hmm. because I'd gone in expecting the worst, and other than one or two moments with that one definitely being the most notable, um, yeah, the crowd was really well behaved, and like you, you always hear about how like you can't think that wrestling fans are that stereotypically lame until you've sat in a room full of them 
but I was actually, yeah, it was like we were had normal humans around us. It was weird. Yeah, I mean, we were sitting next to a nice bloke who we chatted with quite a lot, weren't we? Who was yeah. really nice. Um, yeah, it was it was fine. There was um, what was the, that chant? It was ba- bad bones, isn't it, wrestler? Oh yeah, there's a German wrestler who debuted in the promotion in the pre-show match. Um, who the crowd very astutely noted. Uh, bears an uncanny resemblance to a former radical. <laughs> uh, you can hear it really clearly throughout. Apparently, JR even references it during his uh, commentary. Yeah, I've gone back and listened to it, and yeah, uh, it was loud enough that JR had to acknowledge the fact that we were all chanting Perry Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, someone just yelled out Perry Saturn, and then instantly people were like. <laughs> Perry Saturn. It just was one person yelling out, just Perry Saturn. Um, There was a very, very small moppy chant, but that didn't pick up, which is probably for the best of balance. Yeah, Yeah, that was weird. But yeah, no. um, Do you see that really sad video about Perry Saturn? I know he's had a really shit time, didn't he? um... He was homeless, wasn't he? Yeah, lived on the street. And he, apparently, the two, two of the guys that, like, he, I think he like a kickstarter or a gofundme being like look guys i've got absolutely nothing left like please can you help me out and i think jericho kicked in like five thousand dollars as did regal like oh if you're looking for class guys jericho and regal foley was talking cryptically about uh helping someone out with some money and i think it might have been very certain yeah um because of that, uh, so yeah, I I know he's had a rough time. Doesn't DDT normally help out these uh, sad wrestling cases? Can we get him on the on the case? Yeah, I mean he normally does it with people that like have drug issues and so on. What actually is Saturn's issue? I think it's drug issues drug and alcohol. He has said in interviews that not none of his appearances for WWF during the Attitude Era was he sober for. Every, every match he wrestled, he wrestled under the influence. Which, when you look at some of the matches he had, like, top work to the lad. <laughs> that was the same for Regal in Regal's first run before he came back as yep, real man, man. Yeah, he doesn't even remember that, does he? He said yeah, before. He, he was so out of it then that he just did everything that... He can't remember any of his matches. He he was off his head, and then and it was Vince who kind of came to him and brought him back and said, "Look, you've got to get clean. You you're a you're a talent." Yeah. Uh, let's let's go back to silly things. So, anything else from True Destiny worth talking about, or um, would you go, would you go to another what culture event? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're immediately afterwards, we contacted you and we're talking about <laughs> when they're next in Manchester before we realised it was like a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a Monday night. It's a bit of a it's, a... it's a push for me to get home and then back out to work. And I live walking distance from the venue. So... Yeah. It's a bit annoying because the Young Bucks are going to be there, mm. which is pretty big. I, I haven't booked a ticket yet, but it's payday on Tuesday. We'll... <laughs> We will People see. chanted "Holy shit!" after the advert. Or... Yeah, it's funny because I, I, like I said, I went back and watched it uh, afterwards, and 
the they didn't have the sound like the arena mics during the um the video for it and then immediately after the video they go to like a backstage segment that doesn't have the arena mic but for like a half second in the middle you can hear the arena so you just sort of get a holy sh <laughs> wow people were really excited by that like the guy yeah. next to us was like ah! wasn't he it? It was <laughs> mental but yeah, I would definitely go back. I think I'd do the same again. Like we had tickets quite for quite near the front, and I really liked that. <laughs> that was yeah. really good to be. The only problem is everyone stood up during the final match. Yeah, the main event. So I saw like the top of uh, of uh, Alberto Dario's head. Yeah. Um. Oh, one last thing worth mentioning is that you managed to start a chant, didn't you, Kev? Yeah. When, um, when they fixed the ring up, unfortunately, the chant that was started was while the arena wasn't mic'd. But while they were fixing the ring after the Ricochet Osprey match, Keb's got a let's go duct tape chant started. Because <laughs> they were wrapping duct tape around the um, hooks, the weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and wow. So I showed let's go duct tape and uh, it, it got some traction in block I and slightly beyond, I think. Yeah. Nice work. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no evidence of it. <laughs> I don't mind. I, like, I went in there being like, if I could start a charm, that would be really good. Yeah. And I did. This uh, podcast is the evidence for it. Yeah. They, they could cite this on Wikipedia. Yeah. And they're citing notable notable incidents in wrestling history. <laughs> a prif notable podcaster starts charm. <laughs> so, bringing it back to the WWE, the best pay-per-view of the year is, in the books, the Royal Rumble. What did we think about this year's event? Um... It was fine. I was pleasantly surprised. The, the rumble itself, I thought, ended poorly, but throughout the match, I thought it was quite good. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we did our little um, pull. Um, I mistakenly thought I had Jericho, so I was cheering him on throughout. <laughs> I can vouch for this. Um, you were so bummed when you realised that you had Sami Zayn instead after deliberately cheering Zayn getting eliminated because you knew that Jericho would have the longest uh, time in the Rumble. I, oh no! I honestly felt like I'd been punched. I was like, oh, oh no. But yeah, no, I thought it was fantastic. I thought the Miz did a great job of running at someone as soon as they got in and having their finisher used on him. Yeah, that definitely happened several times. Um, I think Jericho did a stellar job of being a slimy heel. Yeah. It's a shame that they never sort of really did anything with the fact that he was spent a lot of it like hiding on the outside. He I... just was hiding on the outside, then occasionally he'd come back in, yeah. and then he'd get hit with something and go and hide on the outside for a while, and it just kind of yeah, no was the one, thing that... No one really sold that as like, look at the crafty veteran Jericho. No, uh, yeah. uh, I no... just thought Kofi's spot was going to be landing on Jericho. Yeah, that's what you called. I thought oh, that, that would yeah, have been a great spot. And so he's standing on him, but Jericho is like, bah! and then steps back in the ring. But obviously he had the weird, like, grabbing thing, yeah, yeah, grabbing the outside of the ring post. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the on the Royal Rumble pool, it's worth pointing out that we deliberately made it so that whoever was going first wouldn't get an advantage in the long run because they wouldn't get their next pick until pick six and so on. Um, and that worked out well because I had the first pick and my pick of Randy Orton uh, scored more than all three of your picks, Kev, and all three of your picks, Jack, combined. Actually, yeah, combined, yeah. 
So let's. I'll just read off these uh, these picks for those of us who were drinking during the last episode and can't remember who they picked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Keb picked Sami Zayn, who scored nine points. The Miz, who scored nine points, and Brian Kendrick, who was not involved and scored zero points for a total of 18. Uh, I score, I picked Jericho, who scored a respectable 28, which you'd expect for a guy who came out first, second. Uh, Rusev scored four points, and Jack Gallagher, although I really think there should have been a category for like best comedy Umbrellas. spot... Uh, which I reckon probably scores about 50 points. Comedy spot of the night. So I'm going to... I scored 32 points plus 50. (laughs) And then James won with Orton scoring 55, Ziggler scoring 21, and Ellsworth scoring 0 points. 76 points by... Winner by some margin. It's... was the one that got that paid attention to the internet rumours and didn't <laughs> use any imagination with the picks um, I lost comfortably uh, Brian Kendrick never showed up which I'm very disappointed about because I thought he'd be an interesting addition um, so that was more of a sort of hopeful uh, than reality I guess um, obviously spent the entire time cheering for Jericho over Sami Zayn <laughs> um... it was quite funny watching you realise at the end because you told me that I'd chosen Jericho, so... I was doing it from memory, wasn't I? <laughs> you need to show us some blame for this. You you were the reason why I looked so sad and defeated and just heartbroken, really. And then, obviously, Miz, I think, did a great job. Um, I really just chose him because I didn't like the thought of nobody choosing him and him being sad and alone. Um, that's, that's weird at all, don't worry. Yeah, he, he's not alone, is he? He's with Maurice, and he's going to get... He's... John Cena rematch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty hyped I mean, about that match. If that is what they're gonna do with Cena versus Miz uh with Nikki and Maurice. I'm, I'm I mean it's seeming likely that's what they're doing because I mean they've been building it up in like in some ways obviously on SmackDown and in some ways subtly. Like for a while now they've made the fact that Nikki's with John Cena a big part of her character and her feuds. Um and they've established that the Miz will go there and bring in spouses and so on with his feud with Dean Ambrose. And then Nikki and Maurice have been coming to blows and the Miz and Cena have been coming to blows. So it's all sort of going to... It's lining up nicely, it. isn't it? Yeah, and, it's almost like SmackDown does a good job of booking their storylines. And do you reckon uh, Daniel Bryan, special guest referee? Oh, that'll be nice. I hadn't even heard that one. No, I, I had it hadn't even occurred to me until just before I said it, but that would be because, you know, Brian's had his fair share of history with John Cena. Uh, yeah. what did you see them on Talking Smack two weeks I've, ago? Or I've not seen it yet, I want to. Uh John Cena said something John Cena was talk was asked about something and John Cena was asked about how he feels he's viewed as a wrestler and it right next to Daniel Bryan said well you know everyone says what they want about me a parody of a wrestler some guy said and <laughs> that, I, that was very nicely done 
To be fair, Daniel Bryan never said Cena was a parody of a wrestler. He just said he was a parody of wrestling generally. Yeah. So, uh, completely different. I think that that's a... Uh, whereas Miz versus John Cena wasn't the right main event for WrestleMania 27? Yeah. WrestleMania 33, I'm pretty excited for Miz Cena the rematch not for a title or anything just two guys who don't like each other yeah I mean at at that time the Miz was a nothing mid-carder who'd been bumped up to the main event because they needed someone to job to Cena and then they didn't even have him job to Cena which is stupid but let's not get into booking mistakes from six years ago (laughs) Um, but then this time he's been the best heel on Smackdown I mean, like, obviously AJ has been the most important heel on SmackDown, but he's been getting face reactions for most of the year. So, yeah, The Miz is, in my que- in my opinion, without question, the best uh, heel on SmackDown, so it makes sense for him to face Cena. Yeah. And are the SmackDown writers the best trolls in the business? Like, people weren't thrilled with the uh, Raw Rumble result, so the SmackDown writers book and write a 10-man battle royal with tension and like an intrigue of who's going to win and it then they end it on a false finish like the smackdown writers are next level good this is what i'm saying because i'm on that note i'm really hyped about how they've been treating luke harper yep a WrestleMania main event in his future. Looks like it. Which, I mean, who would have predicted that when he was jobbing to Kane on the pre-show at TLC? Like, that was mm. literally two months ago when he was jobbing to Kane on the pre-show. I remember when I first started, like, getting into wrestling, and you said, oh, you've got to know about these guys. He's the Wyatt family. And you actually said, who do you think's the best wrestler out of these guys? And I said, oh, it's that guy in the horrible oldie shirt. <laughs> He yeah. just stands out, doesn't he? It's being fantastic, and it's so good that he's finally getting. Yeah, I remember I showed you the Shield versus the Wyatts mm-hmm. uh, from Elimination Chamber a couple of years ago, and said asked you to guess who the best technical wrestler was. And at the start of the match, you were like, I don't know, and I said, it's that guy, that guy that just looks like a fucking hick. And you were like, really? And then watched a few more minutes, you're like, yeah, no, he's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's... He's, I don't think he's going to win at WrestleMania, but a WrestleMania main event is still... It's not something that everyone gets. So, yeah, I'm very excited about the SmackDown side That said, I really hope he does win at WrestleMania. Oh, it, it would be amazing, wouldn't it? Like, it? It's amazing enough that Bray... We should probably give some context for the people who aren't following it. Uh, Randy Orton wins the Royal Rumble. Uh, Bray Wyatt then wins uh, Elimination Chamber. So and looks like a boss doing so as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, the uh, the Tuesday after the Sunday Elimination Chamber, uh, Bray pins Cena for the second time in like three days to cement himself in a triple threat against Cena and AJ Styles to be the to be the definite SmackDown champion without interference. Yeah? Yeah. Just completely clean. And then Randy comes out and says he won't fight Bray Wyatt. 
So then Luke Harper wins a battle royal for who's going to fight Bray Wyatt. And now you have to assume that it's going to be made into a triple threat with Randy Orton coming in there to be like, I've got your back, boss. Where I mean, Har- Harper didn't win the Royal, did he? Uh, him and AJ tied it, and they're going to drag it on a week. And presumably, um, Harper will win that one. Yeah, because the SmackDown writers have two months still to fill of storyline. So it makes sense to delay it, but also kind of push Harper up there at the same time. Yeah, and yeah, presumably Orton will be uh, then saying, okay, well, I am going to go into the title match at WrestleMania after all because I want to protect Bray. And then, mysteriously, he'll be all Viper-like and turn on Bray. And hopefully, you know, if, if I had my way, it would lead to Harper becoming the champion. More likely, it will lead to Orton becoming the champion. Yeah. Um, but either way, it's basically cementing Harper as a player in the main event. Of SmackDown going forward, which is awesome for him and so well deserved. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It really just has got to do with his character. Yeah. yeah what, what you mean, like, so once the feud's over and he can't use that as the motivation for whatever he does next? Exactly. I mean, obviously, the Wyatt family, if it goes how we're expecting, will no longer exist, or at least it won't. Harper won't be a member of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Is he just going to come that's out what I really know. in, like, proper tights or something and this is it he's gonna come out in jeans um and there's gonna be like a revving sound at the start of his music oh gosh (laughs) and then eric rowan is gonna come out in like a power rangers costume um bray wyatt will keep the wyatt music but and we'll add sort of like a you know a chest protector to his outfit and get a mega push <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm trying to do what I see about. <laughs> I'm really liking. Was Sorry, you go. Oh, I'm I'm really liking Bray as champion. I think it's been for a long time. They added a lot of mystique to Bray because it was like, well, he's just a creepy guy. He doesn't need titles. He doesn't need whatever. But it feels just kind of right for where SmackDown is at the minute for him to hold the title. If it, he's yeah, been, I agree. He's been around that not quite main event level for a while, and this is just what he needs to get that extra uh, push up. Yeah, I mean that elimination chamber match was his second ever singles title match in the WWE, and the first ever singles title match in the WWE was the. Uh, Royal Rumble match last year where the title was on the line. That is how anti-title relevance he's been throughout his entire run. Which is crazy. Yeah. That is that is really, really mad. But in a good way. The only thing I'm slightly disappointed with on SmackDown is... I want Ambrose to drop the Intercontinental title belt because the only thing about that Elimination Chamber, which was the best Elimination Chamber by some way, 
was like the, the best one in ages. I I don't know if it was the best. It was definitely in contention. Like if someone told me that was their favorite elimination chamber ever, I couldn't dispute that. I just it felt odd that the Intercontinental Champion was in that. It's why I don't like I don't like unified titles or anything like that. Unless you're going to write off one size completely. But with the amount of effort The Miz put into making the Intercontinental title, excuse me, uh, great again, <laughs> it felt like an instant devaluation that it wasn't on, a, on the line at a SmackDown pay-per-view. And if you need to keep... Ambrose in the main title picture, that's fine. Just have him drop the belt to someone else and give it to someone who's going to use it better. Yeah, I mean, it, I think they're um, going to be doing that presumably at Mania, aren't they? They're going to. It looks like they're positioning Baron Corbin to be the next IC champ. That, yeah, that's. I'm. Um, I'm. Um, I suppose the results of the Elimination Chamber made that less of a crime than it could have been not a crime, less of a, a fault than it could have been but still ooh, I just I just don't like pet peeve. Yeah, because it, it meant that Ambrose probably wasn't winning the Elimination Chamber mm. and that the belt continued to be useless or not the prize that it was to the Miz that's fair I mean, I think part of that is just a necessary problem with the brand split, isn't it? That they just, if they leave out the Intercontinental Champion, then either they're leaving out one of the few people that people care about, or yeah. they're putting the Intercontinental title on someone that no one cares about. Do you not think the Intercontinental title could have gone on someone that no one cares about and then made them care about I mean, maybe. It worked on The Miz? Yeah. Like, I think there's a version of reality where... Um, <laughs> I mean, hopefully there's a version of reality anyway. Where um, Ziggler never lost the title back to The Miz after winning it. And can still have turned heel and stuff, but not um, drop the belt back. And then the Miz and Ambrose feuded not for the belt, and then Ziggler defended the Intercontinental title on the undercard. Yeah, that is. We can book it better. <laughs> yeah, I do think that that is one of the few faults I'd have with SmackDown this year is that after having that awesome moment with Ziggler having like wagered his career against the Intercontinental, yeah, the Intercontinental title, uh, and then finally winning it. He just sort of unceremoniously lost it like two weeks later. Yeah. Um, and that since then is when no one's really cared about Ziggler. Yeah, it was. It everyone w was so thrilled with how good that career versus title match was, and they just kind of they wasted it by not giving it, giving him a longer run on it. Yeah, it's like they wanted to give that story a moment, but then they were like, yeah, but seriously, The Miz is much better as the champ. We're just going to give it straight back to him. <laughs> and it's like, it kind of undercut the moment a bit. Like, if 
I, I'm guessing that match probably didn't feature on too many people's match of the year lists, and it's because it was already irrelevant by the time those lists would have been made, even though it happened in October. Hmm. So, that's probably enough about SmackDown. Shall we talk about, you know, the problem child? The favorite, <laughs> the favorite child, the Joffrey to SmackDown's Tommen. Monday night. Yes, uh, wayward son. The uh, is that the right right biblical story? No. No, the um, oh, prodigal prodigal prodig- son. That's the one. Mm. Monday night raw, home of the giants, and I mean... fast lane upcoming. Goldberg versus Kevin Owens. They're not going to give it to Goldberg, are they? Like, I mean, they are, which is really annoying, but they're not and going to, are they? Really stupid. Both Goldberg and Brock are part-time. It doesn't make sense for either of them to have the title. They're both big enough names on their own to not warrant needing the title. Yeah, it literally... like. It doesn't raise the stakes of that match at all for a few reasons. Firstly, because I don't know about you, but I'll be stunned if Brock doesn't win it. Secondly, because no matter who wins, the champion's still going to be a part-timer who won't show up for ages. And thirdly, because like we've seen Brock as champ already. And then in exchange for that, they're going to be drastically, in my opinion, reducing the heat on what, to be fair, at this rate may also not need the belt to be a huge match between Owens and Jericho. Um, but I do think that the Owens-Jericho match would work a lot, lot, lot better if it was for the Universal title. Absolutely. I think that it's all been built... Owens and Jericho is going to be a, a barnstormer of a match that has been on the slow burn for so long. Yep. But I can't see it being the... It it needs to be for the Universal title. Even if it's... Even if Fastlane ends with Jericho interfering with that match to set himself up for the Universal title match. Which is another one. Jericho needs to lose the United States Championship. So that can be... Uh... So that you can't be cross about that. So I can't be cross about it, yeah. So no, so that's our multi-man ladder match. That Sami Zayn oh, wins. Cruiserweight title. The cruiserweight. Yeah, it could, it could well be the cruiserweight title. I suppose I'd accept. I just either work. Basically, SmackDown doesn't have enough people for it to be the Intercontinental title, and obviously, it's not going to be one of the main titles, and that only leaves the women's belts, the tag belts, and the cruiser belt, and the US belt. Yeah. And uh, it looks like we're going to have fewer gimmick matches at this year's WrestleMania and more outright singles matches. So, uh, Kevin Owens, Jericho, uh, Brock versus Goldberg, and then the triple threat. Like, there's not that they're the ones that look to be that. That's the way they're going. Fatal forward yeah, for plus, them. Plus, as we mentioned, the uh, intergender of Miz and Maurice versus Nikki and Cena. Yeah, they're they're not 
it's not like there's going to be a, a Falls Count anywhere or a Hell in a Cell or just... I mean, there's still time for Like, we don't know, for example, what stipulation... Like, it's strongly rumoured that Roman Reigns is going to face The Undertaker and we don't... Like, that could quite easily be a match that has a stipulation. Probably needs it as well to get yeah. anyone interested in it. Yeah. They can have a Hell in a Cell match. Roman Reigns can jump off the top of the cell, Michael Cole can yell for the love of Shane McMahon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm I'm yeah. hopeful that this year's WrestleMania is going to be better than last year's WrestleMania. Mainly on the strength of I'm really expecting great things out of Owens and Jericho. I mean... I know we were being quite positive earlier about how we th- feel like wrestling has, for the most part, been better this year than it had been before. But that's not because of last year's WrestleMania. Last year's WrestleMania was in genuine contention for being the worst pay-per-view of the year. Oh, uh, yeah. So I sincerely hope that this year's WrestleMania will be better than last year's. Um, the, the best for a while? Who knows? Maybe not the best for a while. But... The if they can manage best since thirty, I'd take that. Yeah, for, for all the the love we're putting on uh, Jericho, the rest of Raw is in a weird place. Oh, uh, is that that's I don't think that's a controversial thing to say that Raw isn't. As well, doesn't yeah, just isn't outright isn't as good as SmackDown, is it? It's not. Gallows and Anderson are being jobbed out to Reigns in handicap matches, and they're the tag champs. Yeah, it's. I I mean I'm in a kind of a good mood, so I don't want to talk about Raw too much. (laughs) It's, It's yeah, it's been quite bad. Um. The cruiserweights, they've still not figured out really how to use them properly, it feels like. Um, which means that they're taking up loads of time every episode with all that stuff. Uh, Stephanie McMahon, if she never appears on my wrestling TV screen again, I would be very, very happy. <laughs> she has go-away heat in the extreme for me. Um, they've been doing a good job with Braun Strowman, but He's not someone I like. He's improved a lot, and I care about him a lot more now than I did, like as we were saying, like this time last year. But I still don't particularly like, you know. Oh yeah, it's a Braun Strowman segment. It's like, yeah, this will be fine, I guess. Um, they're being annoying with Roman Reigns. They're doing like endless comedy shit with both the New Day and Enzo and Cass. Which it's like it's fine for them to have one tag team where they're doing that stuff, but when they're doing it with effectively half of their tag division, mm. it becomes very tiresome. Rusev is stuck in a storyline with Jinder Mahal. <laughs> like, there's, there's there's a lot we could, if we really wanted to, go into quite negatively. Well, that about wraps things up for this month's week's uh, this edition of the K Word. Thank you very the much. Special anniversary edition. Spe- yeah, the K Word's first birthday. Uh, we hope we're doing this again in a year's <laughs> time. <laughs>
you know. Who wouldn't Jack, be? K is for cake. <laughs> K is for cake, yeah. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and SoundCloud. Uh, just search the K word, we'll probably come up. Uh, that's just about all I've got to say. Uh, so it's goodbye from me and a goodbye from Keb. Goodbye. And goodbye from James. I don't have anything funny to say, so goodbye. Bye.